Teal Talk Radio, Season 6, Episode 21. Welcome to Season 6, Episode 21 of Teal Talk Radio. I'm Lynn Funy-Hatton. And I'm Randy Ziegenfuss. In this episode, we're talking with Dr. Nicosi Darnell and Dr. Rebecca McPherson about developing communication skills for life through their work at Clearview Speech. Nicosi is a speech-language pathologist and child development specialist with over 16 years of experience in various professional settings. She specializes in the areas of blended and online education, child growth and development, speech-language development, educational technology, and executive function. Rebecca is an educational technology specialist with over 16 years of experience at the collegiate and non-collegiate level. Rebecca specializes in the areas of blended and online education, career and technology education, change agents in schools, digital tools for the K-12 educator, and mobile device integration into teaching and learning. So welcome to the podcast, Nikosi and Rebecca. Thank you so much, Lynn. Thank you. So let's get our conversation started today with a personal story about how you both became connected to this topic or idea of developing communication skills for life. For myself, um, my background really started as a little girl. I actually had a communication deficit when I was younger and that was diagnosed in first grade. However, it was really due to my shyness is really what the culprit was. Um, And so as a result of that, though, I had exposure to a speech language pathologist. And then um, I was actually able to test out of there within a very short period and be at the top of my class for reading um, within a three month period. Um, So that gave me my exposure. And then growing up, I actually had a couple of friends who had autism, a high level of autism. And so I would really interact with them socially um, as their peer to help their communication skills. So that really kind of pushed me into the field of speech language pathology early on. Interesting what an adult mentor can do so early in our paths reminds Mm -hmm. us to provide those opportunities for our learners. Definitely, definitely. How about you, Rebecca? Well, I kind of came into this field completely by surprise because um, I was a teacher in a classroom and then I uh, went into the collegiate level and was teaching online. And when my son turned three, which was about five years ago, we found out that he had a severe expressive language disorder and delay, actually. And so I was completely taken off guard and um, didn't know one thing about speech therapy or, you know, going to it, setting it up, just a parent, you know, trying to find my way. And so, you know, we started doing the therapy and everything was going along. And so it opened my eyes to see what a huge field this is and how it serves such a need for families. And so bringing my educational technology background into the mix, I started just kind of looking at, you know, what are tools that we can use to, you know, help my son and help others. And um, so it just kind of like just catapulted me into um, where um, I am now working with Nikosi because Nikosi and I have been friends for, I want to say for forever almost. And when this all happened many years ago, you know, I came to her and 
started showing her some of the stuff that I was looking at, and she showed me some of the stuff she was looking at, and we thought, oh my goodness, we got to we got to get together. So um, our friendship turned into presenting, and so that's how my journey has brought me here. Synergy. Yeah. So it sounds like your your practice is really focused on. Um, addressing problems of practice in the field around this area of communication. So this may seem like a really basic question, but why is it essential for all of our learners to develop really effective communication skills? Well, having those effective skills, whether it's in written form, spoken form, you know, or even for our learners to use sign language as their primary mode of communication, is essential for them in their lifelong skill development because we're always going to have to communicate. Um, these are skills, whether it's you know for developing our relationships, even for doing well in school at you know the basic you know community level or at the collegiate level. These are all skills that need to be acquired for our students so that they are able to interact at a high level in the work environment and just even in relationships. Um, just imagine if you were unable to communicate even and how that would impact all of those different areas of your life if you were unable to do so. So communication can go from you know spoken to written form, but it can also include those fine-tuned areas such as what we call social awareness or pragmatic skills in being able to understand those nonverbal cues that you receive from people, how to read those cues and how to implement that into your communication and into your decision making overall. And I would add in just that, you know, the goal is for everyone to be the best communicator they can be. And so it's all individual, you know, there's not like one standard of you know, we're all going to attain to this point, but it's just taking each person, each student and saying, how can we, how can we help them be the best they can be? And um, so, yeah, it's vital. So you mentioned um, different students and different progressions and everyone will have, you know, different expertise. How might these skills look different in different learners? For different learners, you know, everyone has a different skill set. They have different strengths as well as different areas of weaknesses where there's growth needed. And so you really want to look at the individual child in his or her holistic environment and to see who's influencing his or her communication skills and how they're using them with different individuals different communication partners and in different contexts, whether it's the school setting, whether they're students, for instance, who are homeschooled, whether they go to a private school, charter school, um, just how they're using the communication within each of these contexts and what could be you know, best for them, best suited for them. Um, and so it's really important that we look at where that specific student is at, assess his or her skill level and determine goals that are individualized for them. And from a therapy perspective, we like to individualize our goals per student. So it's very specific for what the student, how they learn best, for instance, are they a visual learner? Do they like to have things that are hands-on? Um, how you know do they integrate information into their daily routines and how we can improve their communication um, using those areas of strength for, 
for them and building on those strengths and helping their weaknesses that way. So we did our research prior to the interview, and we noticed in another interview that you did uh, previously that you shared several ideas about how schools can connect with speech-language pathologists to better identify and treat uh, language-related disorders such as dyslexia and other other language-related disorders. So share with us a few big ideas uh, around how we might be able to um, connect with those speech-language pathologists. Right. I think it's really important for the speech pathologist and other school personnel to collaborate on the skills. So actually, a lot of times I, as a speech pathologist, will initiate contact or the teacher can initiate contact with the SLP and have the SLP come into the classroom, for instance, and do an assessment within that environment and give recommendations and work with the teacher one on one on how they can help improve the communication skills of students. That would be one way and one approach. Um, definitely, I would have both collaborate on writing those types of goals into the IEP. If there's an IEP, an individualized educational plan in place for the student, and so that it's a shared approach. Um, I have one teacher who I'm working with now, and so we're constantly interacting emailing, calling each other to specifically work with the same student because we're all addressing communication with the specific student, for instance. Um, and so we need to really come with a united effort in addressing that skill because that really helps with the carryover of the skills that we're trying to attain with the student. Um, and so I don't like to be a silo, for instance. So that would be one approach. Um, but I would really not only try to integrate the teacher, but the school, like the um, school itself, as far as ad even administration, even the parents specifically, as well into this discussion between the teacher and the SLP. And so I would just tell the teachers honestly to go ahead and initiate this discussion with their on-staff SLP um, would be one way to approach this and then also integrate them into the classroom would be key um, so that you can really see the student using communication within a natural context. Because mm -hmm. even in the therapy room, for instance, it's very contrived, it's very controlled. Mm -hmm. And so you don't really see that communication come to life as you would in a more natural environment, like the classroom environment with his peers on the playground. And so really just take that communication out of the context of the therapy room and use a more natural approach to treating. And so I think that the teachers, you know, if, if the SLP has not initiated that contact, then have the teachers initiate that contact. And I wanna jump in about some misconceptions about dyslexia. And there's um, one misconception that students cannot really, we can't really find out if they're dyslexic until like third grade. And um, that is not true anymore. And so the way that the teachers and the parents and the SLPs can all band together is by requesting a dyslexia screener, which is not the full evaluation, but it's a very short kind of a snapshot to just say, um, this student might need, we might need to look into this further. And so even when, um, you know, like Nikosi was saying, the teacher is suspecting some kind of speech delay it's not you know out of the um, ordinary or, or it's not out of place to even say 
you know, hey, let's run a dyslexia screener. You know, just ask ask the parents and see, is that okay? Because if, you know, the earlier that we can catch dyslexia and speech delays and anything, any problem or any issued um, learning difference with a child, the more successful they're going to be in the future. The early intervention can really, really make a difference. So um, that's what I think needs, we need to see more dyslexia screeners because we are seeing in research that one in five children have some kind of uh, reading struggle and possibly dyslexia. So, you know, there's a lot of kids out there that are just slipping through and, um, you know, they're really good at faking it or, um, you know, there's a certain point where it comes to we're not learning to read anymore, but we're reading to learn. And that's happening around fourth and fifth grade. And then it's really coming to light that, oh, you know, we've got a lot of kids that they need to catch up and um, and have some specialized instruction. But we could have maybe found them in first grade or kindergarten. And so that's what I'm really um, reading a lot about and, and trying to figure out how to spread the word. That's interesting. So using dyslexia screener as a universal screener or using dyslexia screener um, after another oral reading fluency screener or something? Just curious what a little bit more about that. Right. So it's its own its own instrument. And I've been looking at them and some of them are just 20 minutes. Um, They're game based, some of them. And so it is just a, a very quick snapshot. Like I said, it's not a full evaluation. And so it's not confirming that there's dyslexia. It's just saying, hey, we probably need to look a little bit more into this. Mm -hmm. And it's helping because it's, you know, shorter and it's less in depth. And um, it's helping catch, you know, more students than doing the complete full evaluation because that takes so much more, you know, uh, time and manpower and all that. And you really want to, like, pretty be pretty sure before you goes through all that, you know, mm-hmm. but if you can have a quick screener that can help, um, with just, you know, those students that, Oh, that that's, you know, they're, they're probably okay. Um, then they can not have to go through the full evaluation. And the international dyslexia association also gives a lot of good recommendations on screeners that can be used for dyslexia. So we will link that into our show notes for our viewers in case anyone has some of the similar questions that I have sort of floating around in my head about um, that idea. Thanks so much for sharing. So before we invite you to share what you're working on now and what's next, we have a couple of lightning response questions. And the purpose of these questions is really just to give our listeners some more resources, um, some other ideas of places to go to find more information about this topic. Ready? Ready. Okay. Ready. All right. Who's one expert our listeners should connect with to learn more about using technology um, to diver- to support diverse learners? Okay. I'll tell you one of my favorite go-tos is Sean Sweeney. I don't know if you've heard of him before, but he is an excellent um as far as he's actually a speech language pathologist and technology specialist by trade, but he practices primarily as a speech pathologist in Boston, working on social communication skills with students. 
and he actually goes by Speech Techie. So he has a website called Speech Techie, T-E-C-H-I-E dot com. And he's also on Twitter. You can pretty much find him on any social work platform. And he um, is just really a strong advocate for using effective technology in therapy. And he has lots of just really fun resources that students love. And he even takes basic technologies and he'll show you a new and innovative way to using it. And he gives you the research behind it. So it's not just, you know, randomly picking different tech tools, but he actually uses research-based and um, a research-based type of approach. All right. Excellent. We will link um, Sean's website in the show notes. Well, I love Sean Sweeney, but yes, I would 100% have said him. But since we're also going to uh, put some dyslexia information in there, one of my favorite go-tos is a group called Made by Dyslexia. And that is also their website and um, like face, Facebook page and every social media. It's made by Dyslexia. They're out of the UK. And so the reason why uh, I found them very interesting is because they are really um, putting out some great videos, like quick videos with celebrities that have dyslexia mm. and it's raising a lot of awareness and it's really, I mean, they're talking about, you know, the future workforce and what they're going to be needing and they're doing research on that and just showing all the positives of dyslexia because I think that for a long time it was really seen as a negative and, you know, well, you know, you're, you're just going to, It'd be a little bit not quite up to speed, but um, this group is focusing on the positive, seeing the big picture, being able to uh, break things down simply. Like those are qualities that future CEOs and, and entrepreneurs are all going to need. And so I really enjoy seeing what they put out. All right. Thanks for sharing. How about a book? If there's a book you would recommend to our listeners, what might that book be? Well, I'll tell you, one of my passions is executive functioning skills. And Dr. Peg Dawson has published several wonderful books on the topic of executive functioning skills, as well as mindfulness with um, Dr. Guare. And one of my favorites by her is Smart But Scattered Children. Oh, yes. <laughs> mm -hmm. So she gives so many excellent tips as well as information and defining the different areas of EFS, otherwise known as executive functioning skills. And what I like though, she's very strategic in her approach and she has um, some books that are specific to teachers on how to address different EFS weaknesses in their students within the classroom. And you can also do a classroom approach um, so all of your students can benefit from it. You can do a more refined approach where you start to focus more on like specific groups of students as well as individual students. So wonderful series of books by Dr. Peg Dawson. My book is not out just yet. It's the second edition, but the first edition is out, but it's called Overcoming Dyslexia. And it is by Dr. Sally Shaywitz and Nathan Shaywitz. And it is kind of like the... I want to call the the Bible of dyslexia. It's got 
so much great information. Um, it it's so this second version or second edition is going to come out in March, but you can get the first edition right now, and it just you know has all kinds of research based information on everything about dyslexia and tools, research, uh, resources, um, future job force recommendations, everything. And so I have it and it's been a really great resource. Uh, last lightning response question. What online site or resource, or maybe even a person do you learn from regularly for your own professional gain? You know, I actually like the Center on the Developing Child at Harvard University. They have a lot of good resources for parents as well as teachers and professionals um, working with children. And I specifically focus on the topic of executive functioning skills with them. And so they just have, you know, a lot of research-based resources and very practical resources that are free to users. So for instance, if even it's like the development of play skills, which is important to communication overall, and they have a lot of like types of activities that you should be doing with children starting at birth up until adolescence and recommended, you know, activities that parents can do. And so it's just a great resource to have on hand. I use it for myself as well as I give it to a lot of my parents and caregivers or teachers even who are working with students? I really like and have liked looking at the blogs from Wes, Wesley Fryer. He used to be Wes, but I guess he's Wesley now. And he just has been around a while and just really um, was kind of like one of my first technology integration gurus that I started following and, and reading his blog. And so basically he just gives, you know, kind of the teacher's viewpoint of integrating technology and talking about, you know, the struggles and still pushing forward. And so I just, you know, enjoy hearing from what I think is kind of like a real person, you know, someone who's not just going to paint that everything's just perfect, but, you know, really talking about just the nitty gritty of how, we continue to to use technology and um, effectively in the classroom. And his blog is westfryer.com, W-E-S-F-R-Y-E-R.com. All right, linked. Got it. Okay, lots of great resources there, especially when we have two people on. We get double, uh, so it's awesome. Final question. Uh, we know you've got some things coming up. Is there anything that you're working on that you'd like to share with our listeners today? Well, let's see. We always have lots of things going on, but pretty soon we will have um, a three webinars that we completed with homeceu.com. And they were specific to dyslexia as well as executive functioning skills, as well as tech integration into just overall development. Um, and so we really focused on like the different learning areas, you know, whether it's physical development, cognitive development, um, communication development. There were some others as well, Rebecca. I can't remember them right now. But right. And we definitely want to make sure that we talk about FETC. Yes. 
That's correct. So yes, we will definitely be presenting on mindfulness, which is related to executive functioning skills, as well as a topic on dyslexia. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, um, Nicosi and Rebecca. To learn more about Nicosi and Rebecca's work, you can check out some of the links in the show notes, um, the books, the resources, the web pages. And um, as we wrap up here, we'd like to leave you with a question to think about with the idea of provoking reflection and conversation. This episode's question, how can you support all learners as they develop communication skills for life? If you've enjoyed the episode, would like to comment or check out the resources, visit the show notes at tltalkradio.org and look for season six, episode 21. That's all for this episode. We'll be back next week with another conversation featuring innovative thought leaders. Thanks again, Nikosi and Rebecca. Bye-bye.